All right, so Matt, I was trying to write out all my show notes for this episode, and I ended up breaking my pencil. And so I just ended up giving up because it was pointless. <laughs> I, that was good. I, the delivery was right on. It was right on. I like it. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good, brother. How good. you doing? Oh, you know, crazy week, but doing all right. <laughs> that's the it's just the thing now. It's yeah, crazy I mean, week, crazy month, crazy year. Probably should you know? just say normal. Doing twenty twenty <laughs> normal, you know. I mean, it is, man. It is just the ridiculous has become normal. <laughs> you know, I I just I, I don't even blink anymore. Yeah. You know, that when, when, when crap happens, it's right. just like one thing after another. And I look, Adam and I know that the rest of y'all feel it too. There's just something, something in the air for 2020. Yeah. You know, that's why and, the, and it's not, and it's not just coronavirus. No. Right. <laughs> right. And that, that's why the, the saying has been all year. We're in this together. Yeah. More, I mean, that has more than one meaning. We're we're in this crap together. <laughs> I, I have yet to talk to anybody, and I've I've talked to quite a few friends that I haven't spoken to in years. Right, you know, with all this going on, and uh, and again, nobody, nobody's like, man, this is the best year of my life. You know? Right, uh, it ain't happening. No, that <laughs> something something's going on in the the cosmos, and it, it's. Yeah. It's causing it to be weird here on Earth. I wonder if other dimensions are having the same thing. Like if <laughs> if this is bad for all of the multiverse, or yeah. if it's just our dimension that's that's having problems. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. It's like maybe they're having like like my 2017 or something. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So envy that dimension because they're having a good year. So. Real quick, we wanted to thank Podbelly.com. We're proud members of the Podbelly Network, so go check them out at Podbelly.com. We'd also like to thank this week's sponsors, Best Fiends. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends, and BetterHelp. Um, we'll talk a little more about them later, but we're glad to have them as sponsors. They're, they're great companies and good people that we've talked to from those companies. Um Matt always does this at the end of the episode, but I wanted to throw it here at the beginning as well. Um, if you can, please go rate and review us on whatever app you're listening to us on. Now, you know, iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher, Spotify, those help us out the most. Um, yeah. Don't know why, but you know, those help us out the most as far as the algorithm that they have and people finding the graveyard and all that. So if you haven't, Go and give us a five-star review and comment something on there. Doesn't matter what you say. Just comment something. It helps us out. Um, 
you know, but wherever you're listening, if you want to give us a review, that would help tremendously. And also share, share, yeah. you know, our episodes that are posted on social media. Um, if you got a, a post, if you wear merch, whatever, share it and and try to bring more people into the graveyard. That That's the whole point of all of it is to spread the graveyard. And, you know, we do our best to keep it light and informative so we we think it's it's a good distraction for people from 2020 you know <laughs> yeah um but before we get into this episode matt this this kind of ties into what we're talking about but i had i had to tell you this did you know that in kentucky it's illegal to carry your ice cream in your back pocket okay so my first response is why Right, but right. Why? Why do you need a law that says such a thing? Yeah, that that that's my question. Is why do we have to have a law about carrying ice cream? Yeah, you know, I don't see. I mean, there's a lot of wrong ways to carry ice cream. Oh yeah, front pocket included, but <laughs> pockets in general. Yeah, but <laughs> but why do we have to specify? You know the legality of carrying it in in your back pocket i don't yeah i don't know but look even even if you have on cargo pants right don't carry your ice cream in a pocket yeah there's still no reason to carry it in a pocket i mean because <laughs> if you're in kentucky they're gonna haul you to jail <laughs> <laughs> right is that ice cream in your pocket boy <laughs> yeah uh yes it is get in the back of the car All right, Matt, so let's talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Best Fiends. And, you know, we we, we talk about the paranormal and, and Fortiana and stuff like that all the time. And when I'm not thinking about that kind of stuff, I still like, you know, a challenge. I still like to push my brain a little bit. And that, that's why I love Best Fiends. You know, if you aren't playing Best Fiends, you're really missing out. And it, it's a fun, exciting puzzle adventure that you can experience anytime, anywhere. You don't need an inter- internet connection to play. No Wi-Fi, no worries. The, the thing with Best Fiends is we're all stuck at home, right? We, we can't yeah. go anywhere. We're, we're quarantined. A lot of places are shut down. So you can't really, you know, go out and have a competition with your friends. That's the cool thing about Best Fiends is you can. You can become friends with your friends on the game, and then you can challenge each other. Who's higher in in levels? You know, who'd, who's got more fiends at their disposal? All kinds of stuff that you can do. And I don't like to... Um, to really do that with Amanda because she's smoking all of us, um, which hurts my feelings. But there's already millions and millions of downloads, so you don't want to miss out on this Best Fiends craze. Yeah, and like Adam said, you know Amanda whips us. Oh yeah, when it comes to this, and I kind of I kind of trail behind, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy playing. You know, I tend to get stuck on levels. Um, but, you know, it's really great when you finally get past that one that you've been mm-hmm. trying to beat for the last several days. And, yep. you know, you'll you'll get a minute um, sitting in the drive-thru or, or, or waiting on uh, your, your groceries to come out that, you, that you're picking up. And you can whip out your phone 
and you can play Best Fiends. Now, Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so really, it never gets old. There's always some new challenge to take on. So, one of the coolest things that I like about Best Fiends, because of my cell phone connection, I don't always have really great service, right? Especially if I'm, you know, sitting in a line or, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on something, and I'm just sitting in my car like I, 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 I can't even, I can't even browse the internet. But you know what? I can play Best Fiends. Yep. Because it doesn't rely on the internet to play, so you don't need Wi-Fi. You don't have to use your expensive cell phone data. You can sit there and play. And there are tons of really cute characters. It's done in such a way that there's so many colors and their expressions that it just makes it more entertaining. And as I mentioned before, monthly themed challenges. So there's always something new. You know, even if you've kind of felt like, well, I've kind of done what I'm going to do, you want to check back because there's a new aspect of the game that you haven't done yet. Right. And that's going to come to you every month. Now, like Adam said, Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters every month. Hours of fun right at your fingertips. And like I said, you can play offline. And with over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, Matt. So tell us, what are we talking about tonight? It's a good one. I'm going to say well, that it's a good one. It is a good one. And, uh, you know, Adam, we, we talk about a lot of scary places on Graveyard Tales. Yes, sir. It's kind of and, our thing. And Yeah. And, and so many of those are touted as being the most haunted whatever. And, and a few of them maybe live up to that. Mm-hmm. But tonight, Adam and I are going to talk about the granddaddy of them all. (laughs) Possibly the scariest place on earth. Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that just went, I know that place. I know that place. (laughs) You know, this is one of those places where, you know, it's, it's a topic that Adam and I have we we've we've steered away from for a, a long time just because it's been done by everyone and right. you know we just thought at this point we're we're going to throw our hats in the ring and uh and we're going to talk about it in true graveyard tales fashion exactly so let's go ahead and get into it yeah let's all right. So <laughs> we we got some stuff to cover. Oh yeah. So first I want to say that uh if you want to find out more about what we're talking about, go down into our show notes. And all of our sources are at the bottom that you can go, you know, continue the dive into Waverly Hills. And the other thing I wanted to say is I did that thing again where I didn't check the printer before I started printing my notes. Uh-huh. And it's on cardstock. <laughs> so I have the most durable set of show notes that have ever been show noted in the history of podcasting. That's great. This is yeah, the I've heaviest that. stack 
than I've ever held. I've done that. I was, <laughs> I, I remember when I was in college, I was printing, um, I, I was printing a, a thing for like a, uh, a research project that you had to do a display board. And mm-hmm. I was printing these things out on colored paper to put on this board. Right. And I forgot, you know, that it was in there and I had somebody, had somebody grabbed me and it's like, Hey, you've got a printer in your room, don't you? And I said, yeah. And they said, can I run up and print my paper? You know, I'm getting ready to, it's got to be in by this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go. You know, my, my room was unlocked all the time. So run up there, they print the paper, grab it, come back. <laughs> they were like, my, my, uh, my, my paper is printed on like green and yellow paper. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, I, and I didn't have time to print it. I couldn't find any other. Mm-hmm. like, uh, sorry, man. <laughs> I mean, it works. It's just I, I did the green paper last time when I forgot to check the printer. This time it's just heavy cardstock. So maybe I'll frame <laughs> I'll frame this cardstock <laughs> and we can give it away to a listener. <laughs> maybe maybe Ashley does it. Ashley's gonna come in there one day and put like, you know, paper with like little rose petals on it. Like, we'll see yeah. if he notices. <laughs> just keep sneaking different papers into the printer. Yeah, where, if, where she, did, if she wasn't doing it, she's going to start now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> where did all this pickle paper come from? I got pickles all over the paper. I don't. All right. So that was a tangent we didn't need. But now with my uh, cardstock notes, let's get started here. So Waverly Hills Sanatorium sits on land in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and it was originally purchased by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883. Now, Major Hayes was in need of a school for his daughters to attend, so he started a one-room, say that, one-room schoolhouse um, that was located on Pages Lane. Well, he Man, hired... If, that, if, if that's tripping you up, <laughs> we're in trouble. It's going to be an interesting <laughs> night, yep. Um, well, he hired a woman named Lizzie Lee Harris to teach at the school. So her love for the tiny school, in addition to her fondness for Scott's Waverly novels, prompted her to name the little schoolhouse Waverly School. So Major Hayes ended up liking this name, and he chose to name his property Waverly Hill. So that that's where the name of Waverly Hill comes from. Well, the Board of Tuberculosis Hospitals kept the name after purchasing the land and opening the sanatorium. Well, in 1910, a state-of-the-art tuberculosis hospital named Waverly Hills Sanatorium opened on this hill. And the reason they needed to do this was because Louisville was surrounded by swamps and wetlands and received a higher portion of patients with the disease, and they originally called this disease the White Plague. Um... You know, and and it got many more patients than other parts of the country just because of the conditions there around Louisville, the the natural conditions. Yeah, I was reading that when they when they chose that that area to build the hospital, they were standing there and and it was, of course, on a hill. There was a constant breeze that was blowing and and that was, you know, widely thought that you know, fresh air and sunshine was, you know, two of the best things you could do for tuberculosis. Yeah, exactly. So on that note that 
Matt was talking about, you know, treatments for, we need to discuss tuberculosis or TB and the treatments for it. Now, this is from the American Lung Association website. So we know it's got to be somewhat accurate if it's coming from the American Lung Association. We hope. Exactly. We hope. That's what I was thinking. So the American Lung Association was formed in 1904, actually in response to tuberculosis. Now, during the 19th and early 20th centuries, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in the United States and one of the most feared diseases in the entire world. Now, along with the other nickname that we talked about for it, the White Plague, it was also called consumption. So if you're if you remember any of your old westerns, yeah, then they called it consumption. And that's why it was uh that that was the nickname for tuberculosis. I, I don't know that I ever knew that. Yeah. maybe I did, but I I've definitely heard that term and you know, yeah, westerns or uh you know, some some old movies would would use it if they were like period pieces yep. or you see it in books, you know, yep. that are from a you know, written in a in a certain era. Right. Doc Holliday had consumption. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's probably why I remember it from Tombstone. I've exactly. seen that movie. Oh, I love times. that movie. That is one of my <laughs> most favorite movies. You gonna do something? Or are you gonna stand there and bleed? <laughs> I yeah, love that. exactly. It's great. Yeah, skin that smoke wagon. All right, sorry, that's a <laughs> tangent, a tombstone tangent there. Um, well, tuberculosis is characterized externally by fatigue, night sweats, and a general wasting away of the victim. Now, typically, but not exclusively a disease of the lungs, tuberculosis is also marked by a persistent coughing up of thick white phlegm and sometimes blood. And while we were doing this research, I texted Matt kind of out of the blue. And I said, this is worrisome because of what we're going through right now in the world, the pandemic that we're going through. A lot of what they talk about treatment-wise kind of parallels what we're going through now. And maybe not treatment-wise, but stopping the spread of TB. Uh Uh-huh. And not to scare anybody, but tuberculosis has been seen climbing here in the world just over this past year. Of course, it's 2020, so, you know, TB is going to come back. but. Uh, where we had it under control and and all that stuff, it's starting to come back. So some of these things that I was researching hit a little close to home. So uh, we'll keep going. I just thought I'd throw that in there that uh, I texted Matt one one evening, late one evening, yeah. and was like, this is worrisome, Matt. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, we're talking about tuberculosis. Um, you know, it is treatable. But just because it's treatable doesn't mean it's easy. You know, right. I, I have seen over the last 25 years that I've done this job, I have seen, you know, a handful of patients with active tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And it is not an easy disease to treat. I mean, right. it is treatable. Nowadays it is. Yeah. It, it takes a long time 
to get over this, even when you're getting the medication. So it yep. is no joke. Right. You know, and right. I mean, for a lot of these folks, this was a death sentence mm-hmm. and a very unpleasant one. Exactly. In speaking of treatments during that time, there was no reliable treatment for tuberculosis. Some physicians prescribed bleedings and purgings, um, you know, like either the the cutting to bleed or leeches or, you know, whatever, or taking the pills that would cause you to purge from one of your orifices um, like that would help anything. Yeah. Um, but most often, doctors simply advise their patients to rest, eat well, and exercise outdoors. Well, very few TB patients actually recovered. Those who survived their first bout with the, the disease were haunted by severe reoccurrences that destroyed any hope for an active life. So just like Matt said, it's hard to get rid of. Even with treatment, it's hard to get rid of, and it, it can come back. Now, it was estimated that at the turn of the century, 450 Americans died of tuberculosis every day. Every day. Think about that. Yeah. I mean. 450 every day. Yeah. And that's just in the U.S. Just in the U.S. And, you know, most of these people that died were between the ages of 15 and 44. So fairly young, considering the age of, you know, that most diseases get you at. Now, this disease was so common and so terrible that it was often equated with death itself. So if you heard TB, someone's got TB, you just went, well, they're dead. You know, what? there's nothing that anybody can do. Right. Now, tuberculosis, they say, was primarily a disease of the city where the crowded and often filthy living conditions provided an ideal environment for the spread of the disease. The urban poor represented the vast majority of TB victims. I mean, that makes sense. You're in close quarters. Right. And if you're, you know, the urban poor, then you're not going to have, you know, the best houses to go live in to shield you from, you know, this disease so yeah. it you know it makes sense that the urban poor were the the vast majority of the victims yeah now science took its first real step toward the control of tuberculosis in 1868 when frenchman jean antoine villeman viamen yeah I'd, I'd say viamen viamen um well he proved that tb was in fact contagious Before him, many scientists believed that tuberculosis was hereditary. In fact, some stubbornly held on to this belief even after he published his results. Now, in 1882, German microbiologist Robert Koch converted most of the remaining skeptics when he isolated the causative agent of the disease. It's a rod-shaped bacterium now called Mycobacterium tuberculosis, or simply the tubercle bacteria bacillus Um, they had demonstrated that the tubercle bacillus was present in victim sputum a single cough or sneeze might contain hundreds of bacilli Um, the message seemed clear stay away from people with tuberculosis (laughs) yeah pretty clear (laughs) yeah i mean that's something i could have come up with without even knowing 
about the bacillus there. You know, and I I always uh, I've always used this, you know, you know, facetiously. But, you know, you walk into a room and people are coughing. You're like, geez, sounds like a TB ward in here. Yeah. But that's what it was. I mean, you know, they didn't they didn't know where else to put these folks. I mean, listen, does this not sound familiar? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they 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 didn't know where to put them. They were afraid if they put them with, you know, other people, they were going to infect other people and they would. Um, But, you know, even the, the people that were charged with caring for infected folks were highly at risk for becoming infected themselves. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't this sound so familiar? It's um, scary. But, uh, you know, it was it was a situation where it, it overwhelmed what existing healthcare uh, infrastructure there was. Mm-hmm. You know, they hospitals, um, you know, what what would be constituted as a nursing home now uh, all of those places, they they were not equipped, whether with the beds, the staff, um, anything, to handle the amount of people that were coming down with this. Right. You know, so it it created a, a lot of problems beyond just you know the illness and death that it caused. Right. Exactly. In they say that this new rule of behavior was sensible, but it made the tubercular in, invalid and, quote, untouchable, a complete outcast. Now, many of these people lost their jobs because of the panic they created among the co-workers. Many landlords refused to house them. Hotel proprietors forced uh, to consider the safety of other guests turn them away. Uh, They were rejected by society, and tuberculosis victims ended up gathering in secluded tuberculosis hospitals to die. Yeah. So Dr. Edward Livingston Trudeau, um, he lived 1848 to 1915, so you kind of get how old he was during all this. He was the first American to promote isolation as a means not only to spare the healthy, but to heal the sick. Trudeau believed that a period of rest and moderate exercise in the cool, fresh air of the mountains was a cure for tuberculosis. So in 1885, he opened the Adirondack Cottage Sanatorium, often called, quote, the Little Red Cottage, at Saranac Lake in New York, the first rest home for tuberculosis patients in the United States. So that's where this idea came from that, you know, Waverly Hills was then, I guess, adopted from or or came afterward. So we need to jump back to Waverly Hills now away from tuberculosis. And this came from Waverly Hills history website itself. So, again, we hope this is accurate. Well, originally, Waverly Hills Sanatorium was a two-story frame building with a hipped roof and half timbering. Now, construction of this building began in 1908 and opened for business on July 26, 1910. The building was designed to accommodate 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients safely. 
Well, tuberculosis was becoming an epidemic in Valley Station, Pleasure Ridge Park, and other parts of Jefferson County in Kentucky. The little TB clinic was filled with more than 140 people, and it was obvious that a much larger hospital was needed to treat those afflicted with the condition because tuberculosis was so extremely contagious at an epidemic proportion, those living with it could not be allowed to live, live and exist among the general population. So this was built for 40 to 50 people, and it had 140 in there. What? How many times have we talked about these buildings, these hospitals, these sanatoriums that were built for a certain number of people, and it literally tripled or quadrupled the amount of people that was supposed to be in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that... That seems like uh, the recurrent theme when it talks when we talk about these older hospitals and some type of, you know, illness like tuberculosis is right that we ain't got the room, you know. Right. Now, Waverly Hills was a self-contained community, a city in and of itself, complete with its own zip code. It had its own post office, water treatment facility. It grew its own fruits and vegetables, raised its own meat for slaughter and maintained many of the other necessities of everyday life. Everyone at Waverly Hills, patients, nurses, doctors, and other employees, pretty much had to say goodbye to everything they knew on the outside world. Once you went to Waverly Hills, you became a permanent resident, quote, on the hill. Now, oddly enough, despite that fact, many patients received visits from loved ones on visiting day. When the visit was over, the visitors left Waverly and ventured back out into the community, which, I mean, if, if everybody else you've got quarantined in this Waverly Hills to keep the spread down, I don't, I don't know how you're going to let people come visit and then leave again. It, it just doesn't seem smart to me. Yeah. And if you look at some of the old pictures of you know, tuberculosis treatment boards, you'll see what looks like folks that are in bed with essentially a big plastic tent over them. Yep. You know, so they're, they're in a bed and they've got this, you know, essentially this, this plastic, you know, did you hear that? Sorry. Nash just, (laughs) he shook and his tail hit the guitar behind me. I actually saw it. And then I heard it and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. That was Nash, but you go ahead <laughs> and continue. No, but, no, no, but I mean, so so there there were ways to protect people that came in from getting infected by visiting their loved ones. Now, mm-hmm. again, it wasn't perfect, but right. with with TB, you really you you you've got to be coughed on or touched you know, with, you know, infected saliva. Yeah. It travels through the sputum, as they said. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, you look at these numbers and, you know, it's, it's like, holy cow, you know, everybody was getting this, but it, it wasn't as, it wasn't as easily transmitted as it seems. You know, a, a lot of the differences are, is that, you know, routine sanitation was, was not all that common, you know, you know, cleaning surfaces, you know, periodically out in, you know, the public sector, you know, wiping down things, disinfectants, 
they they weren't you know widely used or available right you know? and in many cases people didn't even realize that that was a necessity you know so you you had somebody sick and their their clothes were you know covered in it you know where they'd cough handkerchiefs and bed sheets and those kind of things and and there's somebody that's taking those away and having to launder them and you know take care of them and and if if they're at home you know, then you're much more likely to have come in contact and get infected than if you were just coming in for a visit and you could keep your distance. Sure. Um, sure. You know, or or they were, you know, in, in some type of enclosure that would allow them to, to speak and interact, but not necessarily um, touch or cough on you or anything like that. Right. Right. Well, the building that you can see standing on Waverly Hill today could accommodate at least 400 plus patients. And it was considered one of the most uh, modern and well-equipped facilities at the time. Construction of this sanatorium began in March, 1924 and opened for business on October 17th, 1926. So it took, you know, about two years ish for them to get it, you know, built and open, which is actually pretty quick. Yeah. Now, the facility served as a tuber- tuberculosis hospital until 1961 when the discovery of an antibiotic that successfully treated and cured TB rendered the facility obsolete. So it was closed down and quarantined, then renovated. In 1962, the building reopened as Woodhaven Medical Services, a geriatric facility. And Woodhaven Medical was closed by the state in 1981. And a building still stands there. Right. And and it was there pretty much abandoned until what, like 2001 or something? I mean, you know, something like that. Yeah. And when you look at the pictures of the building, it's it's huge. Oh, yeah, it is huge. And as Adam said, you know, it was essentially, um, you know, a self-sufficient city. Mm -hmm. And and yep, staff held 400 plus people. Yeah, it was big. Yeah. Staff, doctors, nurses, uh, you know any kind of laundry staff, uh, you know, kitchen staff, all that stuff. You, you moved in, you stayed, mm-hmm. you had quarters there and, and that's where you lived. And, you know, it'd be a hard sell today, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, you want to go, uh, you want to go work at this hospital? The pay's good, but you can't ever leave. Wait, what? Yeah. You I know? can't leave. Uh, uh-uh. yeah, nah, I don't think so. No, nope, uh, I wouldn't but, do it. But a lot of people had that calling. You know, they, you know, they were nurses, they were doctors, they were, you know, just volunteers who said, you know, Hey, I want to help, you know, maybe they had lost loved ones to TB and they, so they moved in. So you had a lot going on inside the building that was Waverly Hills and a lot of, as Adam and I talk about a lot, a lot of, a lot of death, you know, a, a lot of suffering. You know, a lot of emotion and, and not just from the people that were sick. You can imagine how stressful it must have been as as a nurse, you know, to work in that environment and live in that environment oh, yeah. day in and day out. I mean, it it really would uh, would do a number on you, I'm sure. Um, but with all of that energy and, you know, combine that with all all of the death and sorrow, it has left a significant mark on Waverly Hills. And 
you know, I, we're, we're probably not telling you anything that you hadn't heard before about how haunted this place is said to be. Um, it, it shows up on episodes of every single ghost hunting show or paranormal type show. At some point, they will touch on it. Right. So, um, and, and, and I we, think uh, and before we get into too much of of the hauntings that you've gathered, we had a question the other day sent to us, and and I think now would be a good time to kind of answer that question because Waverly Hills is a prime example of what this is. We were asked the question if we could explain the stone tape theory. Oh, and okay. So basically, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in here, but basically that is the the walls, the stone that the uh, building is built on, the, the stone just out in the ground, whatever the surface is, has recorded a violent, traumatic, emotional, whatever experience. And it basically replays it. Like if you hit on a cassette tape, if you play and then you hit stop and rewind, and then you play that segment again, that's basically the stone tape theory. Yeah. So, you know, the we, we know that, you know, energy is not, you know, created or destroyed. So that energy, it, you know, it goes somewhere. You mm-hmm. know, there, it, it's transferred. And in a, in a lot of these cases... The idea is, is that this energy from either the, the, the violence or the sorrow, the death, the emotion becomes so great for such a period of time that it leaves that lasting mark. Right. And now we're, we're seeing the, the result of this energy, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing what's left behind. Um, and those are what they call residual hauntings. Yeah, you know, we're 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 looking at essentially a moment in time that is just replaying. You know, they're they're not they're not interacting with you per se. Although you know, some people have wondered, but um, you know, some of these hauntings, you know, they they appear to be um, where where they're interacting with you or your environment because you're there. Um, and and they may be, but a, a lot of times when you see that shadow move or that door closes or you feel that cold spot, you know, all that's happening is something is just being replayed and, and you're there to experience it. You know, right. whether it's seeing a full on apparition or just walking into a room and getting that uneasy, nauseated feeling that something isn't exactly right. Right. A lot of times the intelligent hauntings um that are interacting with you those are are the rarity right. you know the uh, and uh, a lot of times you're getting that stone tape residual haunting that's the the majority of what if you're going to experience something it's probably going to be a residual a stone tape an effect of the stone tape theory yeah. um on occasion you can interact with an intelligent haunting which seems to know you're there and communicates with you but that that doesn't happen much um but 
sorry about the tangent, but I just thought since we were talking about Waverly Hills, it would be a good time to explain the stone tape theory kind of in a little more depth than I think we have before. Right, right. So, Adam, let's talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something that's interfering with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals? I know I've had things like that where there's just something that's just eating at you and it keeps you from really feeling like you're being your 100% self. Oh, yeah. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Now, there's a broad range of expertise available, which, you know, may not be locally available in many areas. So if you live in a real rural area, you may not have access to a therapist that can help you um, work through what what's ever, you know, keeping you from excelling. That's true. But by going to BetterHelp, you can find that therapist that's right for you online. You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. That's right. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change your counselors if needed. So if you're in a situation where the counselor just doesn't seem to be, you know, vibing with you or helping you out. It's free to change, and you can do that whenever you want to, which is a lot easier than doing it in person. Much easier. Absolutely. Now, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So, it, you know, if something like money has been keeping you from being able to get the help that you need, the help that we all need, especially nowadays, you know, money shouldn't really stop you from talking to these BetterHelp counselors because they do have financial aid. Now, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their websites and read testimonials that are posted daily. And all you got to do is visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grave, G-R-A-V-E. And you can join over the one million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an exceptional, experienced professional. That's right. And if you're a counselor, BetterHelp is looking and recruiting for additional counselors in all 50 states. So this special offer for Graveyard Tales listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash grave. That's better com slash G-R-A-V-E. All right. So you got that? You, you ready to roll? <laughs> Let's roll, buddy. So a lot of stuff happens here. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I mean a lot. A lot, a lot. And, you know, according to, you know, the, the documentation that we found very rarely will a visitor go to Waverly Hills and experience nothing. 
Okay. Right. I mean, to just come away and go, absolutely nothing happened. It's really rare. You know, e- even if you're just going to get that, ah, there's something I don't, I don't feel right here. I, I need to, I need to leave this room, whatever. E- even that, you know, you're, you're going to get something out of it. Um, you know, like I said, just about every visitor, uh, there's so much going on. We'll experience something. And, and so many things, all, all of the usual suspects occur there, you know, disembodied voices, um, you know, hearing, hearing, uh, uh, unintelligible conversations, you know, being mm-hmm. told to get out, slamming doors, um, dark shapes, shadow people, um, things going in and out of doorways. There's even, you know, a, people have reported seeing a hearse that drives up and drops off coffins. Hmm. You know, so, I mean, you know, something that happened just over and over and over again. Um, but, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, so we'll just kind of we're going to kind of touch on some of the um, some of the short little quickies, you know, that go on, and then we're going to dive deeper into some certain areas that seem to be a little bit more active than others, and and even some of the the named spirits that uh, that reside there. Um, at the main entrance, we'll start right at the front. At the main entrance of the building, people have reported seeing the ghost of an old woman. Um, and this is seen pretty routinely and usually she's reported running out of the front door. Her hands and legs are in chains and blood is dripping from her wrist and ankles. And typically when, when people see this, uh, she cries for help before she disappears into thin air. Mm. That's not something you want to see when you first walk in. (laughs) What a way to start. Right. (laughs) It's like. Hell, I hadn't even gotten in the door yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, At least let me get in here first. <laughs> uh, there's also the ghost of a man in a white coat and pants who's been seen in the kitchen and in the cafeteria. Now, no one really knows who he is, but he's presumed to be the spirit of an old employee of Waverly Hills who's just kind of stuck around. Now, one of the strange phenomena that happened there is is the smell of food that comes from the kitchen. Although no meals have been served since 1982 when the hospital closed. Uh, one report was that um, a, a, a paranormal investigator group uh, investigation group was there and they could smell bread being baked uh, hmm. coming from the kitchen. So That's a no, good smell. not only we smell something, Everybody knows that smell of fresh bread. I mean, you know, that's a very specific thing. So, you know, to be able to smell something like that and identify it in a kitchen Mm -hmm. that is not functioning, you know, it's really, really odd. Um, But let's, uh, well, let's start, let's start from the lower levels and move up. How about that, Adam? that. That sounds like a good idea. That sounds good so to me. We'll we'll go to the third floor. Now, the the third floor is is pretty interesting. It the third floor is where uh Waverly Hills housed the majority of patients. Um now the most common spirit that is seen here is oh. that of a little girl with no eyes. No eyes. No eyes. What's creepier than a little kid ghost? A little kid ghost with no, <laughs> no eyes. eyes. That's that's yes. what's creepier. Yeah, the whole no eyes thing is bad. 
you know, I, just think about, you know, seeing something that doesn't have eyes. It's, ugh. So they're not just common, they're scary. But um, witnesses will report hearing a ball bouncing that sometimes precedes the apparition of the little girl, who is known to some simply as Mary. Now, while filming Mary the movie, is scary. <laughs> scary Mary. <laughs> um, while filming the movie Death Tunnel, um, a member of the rock band Incursion 502 described his encounter with Mary, which was enough to make him swear he would never return to the hospital. Hmm. Now, the the movie Death Death Tunnel is uh is in reference to another location um in, in Waverly Hills, but not only was there a movie made uh there and you know and, and about, you know, the facility, um there's also a documentary about the making of the movie and the stuff that occurred um while they were there so you you get a lot of you get a lot of perspective um from what they experienced and and there's a lot of uh, other investigators that that come on and and you know share their experiences when they've uh toured the hospital that's cool now there have been reports of lights being seen in third floor windows when you're looking from the outside. Now, those lights will tend to fade out as if someone or something stepped up to the window to look down at spectators. Hmm. Now, this is really strange, you know, especially when there are no lights nor people in the building right. at the time. You know, yeah, so that, you know, that would freak you out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you, so, you see a, a window get darker as you're looking at it, that, oh, yeah. that'd freak you out. Yeah, enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I've seen enough. You know, woman just ran out with blood and chains. Um, there's somebody up there on the third floor. Um, yeah, I don't need you, to go in. I'm I'm good here. Yeah, I'm going to stand out here. Yep. Um, now, let's go up to the fourth floor. Now, fourth floor is a little bit more active and slamming doors, disembodied voices, cries for help, all pretty common uh, in, in on the fourth floor as they are in, in other parts of the building, but especially in the fourth floor operating room. But something is much more unique and terrifying on the fourth floor. It is an entity known as the Creeper. Uh-oh. Now, Harold Wood claims he was at Waverly Hills sanitar- Sanatorium on the on the August morning when the entity I thought you known- were going to say the creeper was named Harold Wood. I'm like, <laughs> what kind of name for an entity is Harold? <laughs> I mean, sorry to anybody out there named Harold, but that's not a scary name. No, that's not no something- Harold, Harold, yeah, if you told me that the monster was coming and his name was Harold, you know, it's almost like yeah. the Bugs Bunny thing, the Gossamer. <laughs> yeah. Gossamer? <laughs> I'd, I'd pour him a glass of sweet tea or something named yeah. Harold. Harold, yeah. Now Harold Wood was an employee, and and he his story is that he was there when the creeper first made its appearance. Now hmm. th- this is a, this is what people consider to be a shadow creature, uh, considered by some to be demonic, but it brings with it this feeling of foreboding and doom. Now Harold's story. Is from an experience on August 23rd, 1967. 
a young boy named Richard had been admitted to the sanitarium. Harold describes him as having a very strong presence for such a young boy, but was very polite, saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. He was gentle and quiet, Harold said, but you could see the terror in his eyes. That day, Richard had been brought in for his second ECT, which is electroshock treatment, which was very common, you know, you know, in this era for a number of disorders, but especially, you know, anything that was considered to be, um, you know, a mental illness. Right. Um, and, and believe it or not, it, it, it still goes on. Um, you know, it, not, not to this level, but it, it is still, yeah. it, it is still in it, use. It's a quote unquote treatment still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold said the doctors had discussed upping the voltage way beyond what a boy this size could handle. He said, as the treatment began, the boy screamed in agony. He said he convulsed to the point that he spit out his rubber mouth guard. Now, Wood said the doctor slapped Richard across the face for spitting out the guard. He said that is when the atmosphere changed. Now, the violent treatment resumed with Richard screaming and thrashing about on the table. Harold remembers becoming physically ill, witnessing the abuse, and one of the nurses that was present began to cry as Richard sold himself. Now, Wood recalls the rage in the boy's eyes as he stared at the doctor. But suddenly, the radiator in the treatment room began to clang and clang as though it was being struck by a hammer. Wood says that crows were flying into the window as if they were trying to break the glass, then started piling up on the outside window ledge. Now, the sounds from the radiator and the crows became louder and louder. He says from the northeast corner of the ceiling, a black haze started dripping down to the ground. They said they could smell the, the smell of burnt flesh, sulfur, and rotten eggs. Oh, so wow. This thing started to grow in size, and within seconds, it was about nine feet high. A solid black mist. And it started taking on the shape of having only a head and shoulder area. And then it broke away from that form, floated with with what Harold describes as black and gray spider webs draping behind the mist as it moved over and shrouded the child like a big black blanket. Now, Harold says we all heard the grumbling, a terrifying, very deep tone, broken, static-like voice saying, Get out, get out, go from the child, leave him now. Now, Harold believes that the entity known as the Creeper was born from the pain and suffering that Richard felt, and it manifested to protect the child from his abusers. Now, as I said earlier, the Creeper is described as a shadow entity, but it's much more animal-like than human. The creeper is usually seen on the walls and ceilings, often reported as running towards you on all fours, then climbing the walls onto the ceiling and continuing its approach while upside down. That's wild. You're, you ever played the uh, the updated version of the video game Doom? Not the updated one. I played the original one, but... So there were, there were creatures in this game, in, in the... 
I think it was like the Xbox version that would do exactly this. They would kind of crawl around on the ground and then they would crawl up the ceilings and they would come at you by, mm-hmm. by essentially crawling like a spider on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's exactly what I had in my head when I was reading this story. I was like, Oh my God, that to me, that is just so, I don't know that, why, but that, that ability to crawl like that, it just, uh, it just, it, it grosses me out. That's all I can say. Yeah. It gives me the willies. It, it's unnatural yeah. for anything that large to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but the but the creeper is is not something that is just a legend. There have been numerous uh, accounts of sightings of the creeper, not just on the fourth floor, just most commonly there, but throughout the hospital. Hmm. Now, if we leave the fourth floor, we go up to the fifth floor, and there's a very very specific place on the fifth floor. Room 502. Now, this room is famous for two suicides. In 1928, a nurse was found hanging from a light fixture there. She was only 29, according to the story, and was pregnant but unmarried. Now, the some of the stories will say that it was, uh, it was thought that she was pregnant by one of the doctors, and when, when she told the doctor, he essentially, you know, shunned her and, you know, at, at a time when, you know, an, an unwed mother would be, um, pretty much an outcast, you know, we're talking about 1928 here, you know, this is, this is what occurred, you know, right there on the hospital grounds. Um, visitors have reported seeing the ghost of a nurse in room 502 who will tell visitors to get out. Now, in 1932, another nurse who worked in room 502 threw herself from the balcony and died. Now, no one actually has any idea as to why. And and this is one of the stories that feels more like legend um, because there's not there's not as many specifics uh, right. as there are with the other story other than the year that it happened. So, you know, not I mean, not too sure. I mean, but it, it could be legend but you know it, it's also one of the things nobody's quite sure why well because she worked in a tb hospital she right. saw death all the time you right. know she was well, just it was too much it, i mean yeah. it, it, it i would i can't I, I can't believe that there weren't more of these stories yeah i'm sure the depression uh of the the nurses and doctors seeing that every day all day yeah for you know years it it had to be too much for some. And I I think to me, that would be the reason that she did that. Yeah. Now there, there is a spirit, uh, that has been seen. Um, and, and they call this spirit Timmy. Now legend has it that Timmy, Timmy, (laughs) Timmy, Timmy. Oh, Timmy. Now, now legend has it that Timmy, was a healthy boy who lived at Waverly Hills when his parents were admitted with stage three tuberculosis. Timmy had no other family and no other place to live. The unaffected children all lived together away from the other patients, and they had a playground built on the roof of the hospital with a space to run and play ball. Now, Timmy formed a bond with nurse Mary Hilgert, 
who would play ball with him every afternoon at 2 o'clock. Now, Timmy had two favorite possessions, a ball and a small music box given to him by his parents. Now, Mary would warn Timmy about winding his music box too tight, but, you know, much like all of my children, he didn't listen. Um, The spring on the music box broke, but Timmy continued to carry it in his pocket anyway. Now, one day while chasing his ball, Timmy fell from the roof and died. Mm. A patient who was also a prisoner was seen near the spot where Timmy went over, causing many of the other patients and staff to suspect that he had been pushed. But a police investigation did not reveal enough evidence to rule his death anything but an accident. Now, as the story goes, Mary was heartbroken and kept the small music box as a reminder of the little boy and she would she would keep it on a shelf in her room. Now remember the nurses lived there. Mm-hmm. Now one day while cleaning her room at two o'clock, the music box began to play. Now Mary was so happy mm. that when the music stopped, she trick quickly tried to wind it again, but sadly it didn't work. And when she looked inside, it was actually empty. Now you know, hmm. as the story goes, Mary laughed and thanked Timmy for the nice reminder. Now, visitors often bring toy balls to the hospital and invite the ghostly child to play. And the Why balls, would you do that? The balls sometimes move. Yeah. Yeah. It's never good when yeah. the balls sometimes move. Just, no. No, just leave it, leave it be. <laughs> don't, don't bring the ball to the boy, you know. Now, there are plenty of videos of this. I mean, it's probably one of the most common interactions uh, with a spirit that people have at Waverly Hills. I've seen it a couple times, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's seeing these balls, you know, that they'll sit on the floor and they'll they'll try and, and communicate with Timmy and this ball will start to move. And, and some people have claimed that not only does it move, which you'll see in the video, it tends to just kind of rock back and forth. Um, but But some people claim that they've actually had a ball just roll out, like roll down the hallway that they didn't mm-hmm. bring and produce that, you know, mm. people have brought in so many that one just rolls out. Now that, that would be enough hell. I'm talking about it. It just gave me cold chills. Yep. <laughs> uh, I just keep waiting for like somebody to be sitting there. Hey, Timmy, come play with the ball, whatever. And Timmy to run in and just kick the hell out of that thing. And it hits him right in the face. <laughs> You know, so it, it's like, yeah. Hey, Timmy, can you move the ball? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, you know, that, that, that's what would happen if Timmy was my kid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It'd be like a America's Funniest Old Video segment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, a lot of people that are skeptics will say that it's an uneven floor, um, there's a draft, anything, anything else you could say now. Okay, sure. It could be, but I mean, you know, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that have experienced this. So right. I, I'm thinking it's, it may be, it may be some of those, but I doubt very seriously that it's, it's all of them. All right. So moving on, uh, Waverly Hills, it, it has, uh, it has a unique thing that I've never come across with any haunted place that we've covered. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I've, I've never never heard this phenomenon 
mentioned about any other place. Now, it may happen, and I just hadn't got to it yet, but I've never heard this. Waverly Hills is known for the doppelganger phenomenon. Now, it is rumored that you may catch a glimpse of your doppelganger inside. Hmm. Now, of course, you know, doppelganger is, it's a German term. Um, but the old legend is that if you are unfortunate enough to ever see your other self, then that's an omen that you're going to die. Right. Now, I have a doppelganger. And and I have I have more than one because I have been told that that I have you know a twin or <laughs> or ones floating around here. Now yeah. that's all fine and good, and I think we've all heard that about ourselves. You know, you look so much like so and so. You know, my my nephew or somebody. Well, my doppelganger at one time decided that he was going to buy a mobile home and then not pay for a while. <laughs> really. <laughs> And, and you know, I'm like, I, I'm getting, I'm getting letters and stuff. I mean, even, even had the same name, and I'm like, you got to be, you got to be kidding me. And you know, I, I fought with this guy about this, and I was like, it, look, it's not me, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you even look like the guy. I was like, get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> So if your doppelgangers out there, you know, buying a bunch of crap and, you know, ruining your credit, that may be the problem, (laughs) you know? Yep, exactly. Call Experian and and go, I didn't buy this. My doppelganger bought it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, I, you know, I've heard of the doppelganger phenomena from, you know, just from places, but not from any of the haunted places that we have discussed. Yeah. You know, it's been... Okay, this person is having an issue with seeing their doppelganger, but I've not heard about it. Any of the places that we've looked into, there being a doppelganger phenomena at that location. But even the tour guides at Waverly Hills have reported seeing doppelgangers of themselves and of others. And in some cases, the doppelgangers were almost identical, except for the black holes where the eyes should be. Here we are with the no eyes thing again. Yeah. What? What's with Waverly Hills and no eyes? No, nobody wants to see what's going on. I um, guess. That would be probably as, as creepy as it would be to see your own doppelganger. Seeing yourself with with big black holes instead of eyes would, would be a thousand times worse, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So as if we haven't discussed enough craziness let's let's talk hmm. about the the last area we're going to discuss at waverly hills and it's probably the most famous the death tunnel um you know we, we talk about so many places that are scary because of the disturbances or the history or the folklore that's associated with them but this one area of waverly hills is terrifying simply because of its existence um yeah. you know this this uh this death tunnel or body chute as it's sometimes called is a 500 foot tunnel constructed to bring supplies to the hospital during winter. But, you know, as I, as I researched this, they said that it was, it was sloped just enough that, you know, dragging, dragging the supplies up this slope was, was not very easy. So it wasn't used a a tremendous amount um, because it was difficult. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Now, legend says that at one point, the death rate from tuberculosis reached about one death per hour. Now, with that, the corpses began to pile up. Sure. The tunnel, once used for supplies, was then used as a way to get bodies of the deceased out of the hospital without upsetting other patients. Now, stories claim that at some point there were so many that the tunnel just became a dumping ground for the dead. Now, what what I also found was that essentially they they weren't left in the tunnel, at least they don't think so. Um, but I, I would imagine that was a possibility, but they were, they were managed to get all the way to the end of the tunnel and just left at the end, like a drain pipe, you know, Ugh. and then they had people that were responsible for coming by and taking the bodies and either burning them or burying them. Um, can you imagine what, no. what a, what a horrific thing to yeah. see, you know, or, or to be one of those people that was responsible for taking those bodies. You know, yep, and it, having to clean it up, and it won an hour. I mean, you you got to think that it 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 just it it became more than what you know people could bear, right? Um, it, it was estimated that the death tunnel actually saw more dead people than most modern hospitals do in their first three years. Wow, fewer than five percent of patients initially survived tuberculosis. So, I mean, we're talking about a lot of death now. Visitors to the tunnel have reported hearing voices, seeing orbs, and actual physical contact. Now, if you if you get that last rare. if you get that last reference, I'm telling you, we can be friends. So, <laughs> I don't even think Adam got it because I'm older than him. Um, but beyond that, the tunnel is a gold mine for EVPs. And numerous EVPs have been collected, including calls for help, children speaking their age, and ominous warnings to leave. So, you know, like, you know, we've talked about sometimes places kind of having it all. You know, as far as hauntings go, Waverly Hills has got it all and then some. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. When you think about entities like the Creeper, which could be, could be a shadow person or creature could be demonic in, in some respect. Um, or even I thought about this, Adam, you know, if the story about Richard is true and this was how the, the creeper manifested, you know, I, I always, I think back to the, the, when we talked about tulpas, you know, yep, that exactly, you know, you focus that energy on something so hard that it, it can become physical. And, yeah. you know, if, yeah. if, if you're thinking in those terms, you know, if Richard was just, you know, if he was so in such pain, so distraught and so enraged that this was happening to him, you know, could he have manifested, you know, a, a shadow being to protect him? Because that's what happened. I think it, it it's totally possible. Yeah. Um, it, from the stuff that we've researched, I, I, don't doubt that that is possible, it, you know, especially looking at what is now happening there at Waverly Hills. I, I think something like that happened, yeah. whether it was just from that one event uh, with him or if it was, you know, just over the years, all these people that living and dying there, they're 
anger, their anguish, pain, fear, all wrapped up into one entity, you know, that is a shadow creature of sorts. It it, it could be either one of those. Yeah. And, you know, in instead of um you know, in, in instead of trying to get the, the, the okay and the rights to be able to play some of these EVPs, I'm just gonna tell you there's so many just just Google it and, and listen. Um a lot of times EVPs are you know, they're questionable. You you watch the video and you know, they'll they'll subtitle what they believe is being said. I've always felt like that if I can understand it without reading the stinking subtitles, you know, mm-hmm. that that's that's pretty that's pretty scary that's a to class me. A. Unless yeah. it unless it's one where I'm like it 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 sounded fake. It was so good it sounded fake. Sure. But you know, you yep. can you can kind of tell if you're into this, you've listened to these things before and they I mean, like I said, there's a ton and they and they range from being able to answer questions to um you know, to you know, almost just putting out a message, you know, just just general communication. Like there's, you know, there's one pretty famous one out there where you just hear this child's voice saying, "I'm three years old. I'm three years old." You know, you hear a lot of the, you know, the get out. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't belong here. All this other kind of stuff. Um, you know, so yeah, Google those and listen to them. And I, th- I think you'll be surprised if if you're uh, if you're a fan of listening to EVPs, you'll be surprised at the at the quality of something. You're going to get some junky ones in there too, but sure, there's a lot of these good ones in there. Um, yeah, I've listened to. I can't tell you how many hundreds of EVPs over the years, and I always enjoy the ones that are fairly clear. Like you said, you can tell the ones that it's just somebody kind of muffling the mic and going, "Hey, I'm back here." <laughs> Don't hey, don't turn around. Yeah, my name's Bill. I'm behind you. You know, <laughs> you can tell when it's those kind of things, or or you can tell when it it seems like it could be legit, yeah. but still clear. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, you hear your hair smells nice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always thought was one of the creepiest things you could ever say to a girl. You know, you come about her, hey, your hair smells nice. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Well, that's like that that thing. What what are the creepiest things you could say when you're hugging someone? <laughs> yes. I always think about that when I'm hugging a family member or something. <laughs> I'm like, what what could I say that would really creep them out? You know, it's like, don't react, but they know I'm here, and then just walk off like nothing. Uh, you know. Oh, those are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean. Like we say at the top of the show, this place is, it, you know, it's touted as being the scariest place on earth. And I, I don't doubt that it probably is. Um, yep. Up there. But definitely I, up there. I always, I always wonder when you hear about a, a place like Waverly Hills that is just so active, how much of it at this point is it's in your mind. You, sure. you go in sure. with the expectation that something's going to happen. And and you get to thinking about it, and you're you're stuck in this huge place, and it's dark, and you're you're creeping around, and and you want it, you want it so bad that 
something scares the living daylights out of you and you convince yourself that it was something. Now, yeah, you produce your own haunting, yeah. basically. And I think that probably happens a lot for the people that are just, you know, casual um, or or even the the amateur ghost hunters. They want to go up there and they, they're they're just they're so geared up. But mm-hmm. I mean, these folks like, well, our friends, Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories, they've been there. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're you're kind of going in um, with a critical eye. You know, I'm, I, I, if I'm, if I'm gonna experience something, I, I, I want to clear my mind and, and not, not make it more than what it was. You know, if something moved, if I heard a sound, I want to make sure that I'm just not creeping myself out, which is a possibility. So yep. again, it's been investigated probably, I, I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but I would say if it's not the most investigated haunted place in the united states it's got to be really really close um i would say yeah it's one one of the probably top five easily most investigated places easily and and you know these folks aren't pouring into this place you know big scaredy cats i mean Mm -hmm. you know they you know if, if we're talking about you know these and i'm not talking about the ones on tv you know i'm talking about these paranormal groups that you know that there's some some legitimacy to what they're doing. You know, they're trying to help people, you know, they're, but they're, but they're interested in there and they're cutting their teeth on some of these places by going in and using their equipment and, and really trying to hone their skills. And at some point you become, you know, a, a little bit jaded with it. I'm sure, you know, you're seeing the same sure. thing. Oh, there's some, you know, orbs, you know, it's probably dust, you know, you know, oh, well, you know, we heard a noise. It's probably the floor settling or, you know, a, a, a rat or something. But, you know, you hear continuously that there were investigators that were actually terrified by being in there, by what they mm-hmm. what they experienced, what they witnessed. Even if they're not catching all of this stuff on tape, on video, they're, you know, it's a, it's a personal experience that has changed them by visiting this place. And, and there is plenty of, of, of video footage and audio recordings, as we said. So, I mean, there's a lot of quote unquote evidence out there that there's something going on, um, you know, and, and with as much as what we've talked about tonight, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much going yeah. on. How could you miss it? Right. But you know, it's it's always been one of those places that Amanda wanted to visit. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. long before there was any graveyard tales. Okay, <laughs> you know, sitting around just shooting the the bull, and you know, Amanda would come out. You know, I wish we could take a trip and go tour Waverly Hills. <laughs> just look at her like, are you insane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could go up there and spend the night. You know, you could pay the money and they, they'd lock you in. I'm like, again, are you insane? You know, <laughs> I don't know why, uh, you know, even doing this show, you know, we like to, we, we love to talk about that. But when, honestly, when it comes down to brass tacks, I, going to Waverly Hills is, is, it is not on my bucket list, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll get you there, Matt. I'll get you there. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not, I mean, I, I just, 
I, I, I would be the one that would just be like, I, look, I am, I am absolutely terrified and, yeah. and, and I startle easy. I don't, I'm not, I'm not really all that scared, but I startle easy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you jump out at me, I'm going to scream, you know, and pee a little <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Amanda is, the, she's the champion of, you know, just creeping in somewhere and just standing there. It, it seems like mm-hmm. it happens more when I'm in the shower. I'm like, you're going to scare <laughs> me in the shower. I'm going to slip, fall, and break my neck one day. Right, right. But, but anyway, you know, enough enough rambling. You know, th- this was this was a lot of fun. I, I learned more uh, about Waverly Hills, Adam, than, than I ever knew from any of the TV shows that I watched. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, you know, that's one of those things that when – you get a little bit of information from the ghost hunting TV shows, but you really have to do your own research or, you know, go there before you learn everything there is to learn about it. And that's why, you know, these ghost hunting shows can be entertainment, but they may not be the the best for learning about a place, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, like we said, if you want to learn more, go check out the show notes yeah. down below this and, you know, do some more research if you want Yeah, to. we've got lots of links for you to follow. Um, and uh, and one, one, of the, one of the sources we used was, you know, um, the documentary was called Spooked. And uh, you can go and check that out. It is on YouTube. You know, you don't have to rent it or buy it. So, you can also look at that. And it's... It's it's from a different perspective, you know. It's not not necessarily told from a ghost hunter's perspective, so it it makes it a little bit more interesting than what you typically would see. So so go check that stuff right. out. Um, but you know, while you're poking around on the internet, learning about Waverly Hills, slide on over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. and on our Do website, uh, you can find links to buy. Graveyard Tales merchandise, everything from coffee mugs to baby onesies. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it ever decides to cool off, you can get that really uh, rocking uh, Graveyard Tales hoodie. It's available there. But on, on the website, you can, uh, you can also become a patron. And we like to thank everyone who has donated to the show. And uh, if you haven't pulled the trigger... At least give it a shot because now we we're uploading video of Adam and I mm-hmm. doing the recording, so you you do get to see some of the episodes uncut. You get to see us screw up. You kind of get to see yep. us banner back and forth before we actually start recording the show. The um, stuff that we would cut out yeah. for the main audio episode, it gets left in. Yeah, uh, on, <laughs> on on the that, video yeah, episode, we leave so. it in. You know, stuff falling down behind me. You you get to see all that stuff. Yep. Um. But but yeah, go go and check that out. And as Adam said at the beginning, go please rate and review us on i on iTunes if you haven't already. So, um, I think that's all I've got, man. <laughs> yep, that's all I got. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Yeah, you know, if you're having trouble seeing your doppelganger, you, you maybe you ought to lose some weight. Ah, is it it, PG? So I'm not even gonna. He may. He may. He may have to cut that. I don't know.